Compliance with privacy legislation is never easy. It involves a lot of steps. And of course, when we ask companies to comply with privacy laws, initial reaction, seeing the obligations is, oh, no, it may not be possible. It's not possible. It cannot be. It'll kill our business. But then eventually companies do understand and start to take action. That's the same experience my fellow privacy expert, Odia Kagan, has. And she's from the US. She's an Israeli and she's a lawyer and she's also a part of many other forums. And we're going to have a fascinating conversation around how are companies reacting to, especially US companies reacting to privacy laws? How do they see it? What are the challenges they see in context of AI and privacy and chat GPT? And how are they managing all this? What is the reaction and which are the triggers when they start to act in context of privacy. All this and more with Audia Kagan. Hello, and welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. So welcome, Odia. Welcome to Fit for Privacy podcast. Thank you. Nice to be here. Same here. Nice to meet you. And if I may ask you, uh, icebreaker, when you think of the GDPR, what's the one word that comes to your mind? Uh complex let's say that is true that is true doesn't need any explanation and uh, you're in the u.s and how do the u.s companies perceive the gdpr so i think that you know now we now it's been a while and uh u.s companies have been uh, more exposed to it um, they still, I think some of them uh, perceive the European approach to some topics as impractical and maybe excessive. Um, but I think, and there are a lot of things that have taken a while for U.S. companies to wrap their heads around. Um, but it is becoming more and more uh, commonplace because uh, the new U.S. laws, especially the Colorado Privacy Act and all of the, you know, progeny of Colorado, because CPRA, the California law, was a little bit different. But Colorado and the other states uh, took a lot of concepts from GDPR, as mm -hmm. well as terminology. I mean, we now have controller and processor, and we have and a lot of the concepts, the really difficult GDPR concepts like data minimization, purpose specification, uh, fair and lawful, uh, incompatible purpose, the data processing agreement, data protection, impact assessments, sensitive information, profiling, automated decision making, like all of that stuff is now in the law in effect and about to be enforced on. And so the U.S. companies, whereas a few years ago, when we were gearing up to GDPR and sort of now for some companies that, you know, didn't have CPRA exposure, whereas before it would be like, what do you mean about email address? 
Why do I care about IP address? Why do I care about mobile device identifier, right? Now people, even though it's still a little bit difficult because people are like, who cares about browsing history? Like who cares about the, you know, that, that still is a mind shift where clients are like, oh, you know, the information's anonymized. No, it's not. It's a cookie in cookie data, right? And the whole, or who cares about cookies, right? Those were conversations that we used to have here where you were, you know, you guys in Europe were having, you know, seven, eight digit fines from like Keneal and Garante and everybody. Um, people here were like, who cares about cookies? Well, now we have enforcement against Sephora. It's $1.2 million. We have um, a lot of class action lawsuits on Metapixel and sharing through pixels. We have FTC enforcement in the millions, BetterHelp, GoodRx. We have Video Privacy Protection Act and for class action lawsuits on Metapixel in a video on your website. And so I think this concept of you know, trackers and a lot of other things that, you know, banners and cookie management platforms and things that people were thinking like, oh my God, you know, this is like really annoying. I mean, I think they still say that, but now they, they see that this is kind of a sort of global problem, let's say, or global compliance issue if we want to be a little bit less, you know, a little bit neutral in the terminology. So I think that, you know, U.S. companies are definitely aware of GDPR and they're definitely needing to grapple with the GDPR concepts more and more um, as we are, you know, progressing with the new laws. Yeah, that's natural. I think first there's denial and then there's acceptance. That's usually how it the works. Five stages of, the five stages of privacy compliance <laughs> grief. <laughs> indeed, indeed, that's what I meant. First there's anger uh, and then there's, <laughs> then you cry and then then say it can't be true it can't be true it's not possible yeah. but finally you accept and you start so which stage are they in the u.s companies now are they accepting and taking action or are they still most of them denying that there would be need to do it in the u.s i think um not really denying isn't the word really but it's more like first of all there are still some companies or at least there were until now so we're in august now somehow um but um and it's 2023 right unlike what you you know write by mistake still but um in july the cal the colorado law went into effect and california enforcement went into effect even though those of you that are following, there was an injunction against the new CPRA regs. And so, you know, query what that means. But like July was a big kind of turning point. I don't think that there is in view of that. I don't think that companies are in denial of like, oh, this isn't really happening. But there are, um, first of all, there used to be and there is less now kind of like a wait and see thing. It's like, oh, we're not really sure. So let's wait and see. There is less of that now. Um, then there is a lot of conversations that we have now are one kind of um, having needing help kind of understanding what some of this stuff really means. And these are things that you're probably familiar with because, you know, 2017 was all over this for you guys. So, for example, when GDPR came up with the new Article 7 consent, right, 
people were like, oh, what's going on? And, you know, they, we needed, you know, we're looking for guidance and trying to figure out, and is it revocable and is it freely given and the conditioning of the service and the loyalty programs and all that stuff. So now we are starting to have these discussions in two avenues. One is uh, the, the nature of consent and an opt-out. So we haven't actually seen a lot of enforcement. We haven't seen enforcement on it, obviously, in California, Colorado. But we have. So so the the choices and the interplay between consent and choice and dark patterns or uh, deceptive design or harmful design is like the ICO calls it in the new ICO paper. Right. So that kind of OK, I click. It's, it's a number of clicks. Do you need to scroll? You know, are all the choices even? This is like highlighted. This is not. This is a small font. Like all of that is a discussion that's ongoing right now. The second is the concept of freely given consent, especially as with respect to sensitive data. So sensitive data, sensitive information in the U.S. is Article 9 special category data plus a couple of other things that you guys don't, don't have in there, which means and then California requires an opt-out, Colorado requires an opt-in unless it is necessary, right? So secondary uses of sensitive data require a pure GDPR opt-in. They literally, not only is it a GDPR, if you look at the Colorado regs, you will find like a nice summary of the EDPB guidance on consent, right? They explain freely given and, and revocable and all of that stuff. They even actually, without naming names, actually crop the example of the discussion of consent in the Norway um, decision on Grindr, right? On whether or not it's consent or not. So this concept and wrapping your head around um, consent and sensitive data, which is both U.S. state issue as well as the FTC, which is really looking closely at you know, health information. I think those, for example, are discussions where companies are literally, you know, having to wrap their heads around things that have been commonplace before. And now they have to think about, it's like, what do you mean I need opt-in consent? What do you mean I can't like profile about this? What do you mean I need to do a data protection impact assessment for this? What What is a data protection impact assessment, right? We didn't have them in the U.S. law, only, you know, the government entities needed to do them and things like that. So now it's like, oh, I need to do a DPIA. You know, the attorney general can ask me for it. So those are kind of there. It's not denial, but it's like, what does this actually mean? And more like, what do you mean I can't do that? What do you mean I can't just use precise geolocation to whatever? What do you mean I can't use health data? What do you mean, you know, inferences on sexual orientation is sensitive information? Like those types of discussions that are actually some of them are still ongoing under GDPR as well are conversations that we are now having with clients. No, that makes sense. And those are the right conversations. But if I may ask, what's usually the trigger for these conversations? Like most of the clients who come to me from U.S., there the trigger is we are coming to Europe or we want to launch our product in Europe. What should we do? That's usually the trigger for GDPR. But what's the trigger for these privacy conversations you are having with your clients? So it depends, right? So for, let's say, so some of the companies are, hmm, we are subject to CPRA. What do we need to do? We are subject to CBRA and we are doing this new thing. Can we do it? Right. We have a new initiative that we are doing. 
are there any issues, right? Like those are some of the conversations. There are other conversations where legal is like, so marketing just told me that they launch whatever and <laughs> could they do that, right? And then, <laughs> um, and then you have, and this is actually the marketing thing is interesting because the FTC being, I guess, mindful of the fact that a lot of the stuff is done by marketing and not by legal actually called out um, in the enforcement actions, they actually called out the fact that you can't leave this to the junior marketing analyst. You've got to involve like privacy people in this in order for you not to create issues for yourself. So that's really interesting. Um, the other piece where, and this is uh, relevant both for U.S. companies as well as for multinationals, and I've seen this a lot because we work a lot with company, companies, obviously U.S.-based, but also non-U.S.-based that are U.S. facing. And in this regard, California, which I think because of partly because of this, right, you saw that California just got adequacy status from the um, from Dubai, from the DIFS. So CPRA, as well as the other privacy laws, they are extraterritorial in the sense that if you they go by processing of the data of the residents, it is not necessarily the location of the company. So we work a lot with non-US companies that are US facing, right? Wanting to go into the US market, into the US market, etc. And for those, um, you know, the conversations are the same, but also they are so. I am a service provider or a data processor for a US for US companies that are subject to the laws. What do I need to do? And one, and that's an interesting like misconception that we've had to deal with, which is, oh, you know, I'm just a data processor. This doesn't apply to me. And the, the easy answer to that is no, yes, it does apply to you, and there are things that you need to do. And so those are also conversations that we're having, which is, hey, I have you know, clients, what do I need to do? How do I prepare? That's the good conversation. The other conversation is, so um, I'm in trying to, you know, I'm, I'm in negotiation with this client and they and they asked us for one, two, three, and four. Can we do that? Which is yeah. the sort of, you know, kind of less uh, easy conversation because usually it is very, you know, time sensitive in the sense that you're now trying to like, you know, figure stuff out when your business is at stake. But those are also conversations that we have. No, no, I agree with you. That's a fascinating conversation when they're selling a product to somebody and they are asking for compliance with a specific law and they come to you or me and say, can we become compliant? They're asking for this. Can you give us a DPIA? Can you give us this notice uh, or can you give us these technical and organizational measures? Then you have to tell them, guys, it's not like shopping window. You come in and you shop for it. My my favorite one is, can you revise our privacy notice so that it is so that so that we are GDPR compliant? I'm like, yeah. it's not it's not expecto patronum. It's not like Harry Potter. I can fix your privacy notice so your privacy notice is compliant. But for you to be compliant, there's like some other stuff that needs to happen. Yeah, that's indeed a common question. And I usually say I can write it. But do you know what I will write? You do it. And they say, uh, what do what will you write? And I say, oh, I will write this, this, this. And then, then the conversation starts. Ah, but we don't ask consent for marketing. We don't ask consent for, we don't uh, allow for right to object to automation, automated decision making. So it's a fun conversation to have. And especially with the US federal structure, meaning so many laws and everything, it's complex for organizations also to kind of decide how they want to do 
do they go with uh, California? Do they go with Calif uh, Colorado? Do, do they go with Virginia? Do they go with GDPR? And that's another conversation which is very common. But how do you see this landscape evolving, the US federal law? Will it come or will it be evolution? <laughs> Um, I think it will eventually come, but the question is, will it come fast enough? You know, yeah. I think that, you know, I try to be, I try to keep optimistic about it, even though, you know, the U.S. Congress seems to have, uh, you know, kind of one or two other things to focus on at the moment. Um, I think that, um, I think that there is, though, there are a number of things that are sort of pushing towards it. And hopefully we are going to be able to see something, you know, progress. So um, the AI issue, right? So there is a big push for AI legislation. There is mm -hmm. a big push for AI legislation from like everybody, pretty much. Uh, there was a survey that was done um, recently and it said something like 92% of Americans want like AI regulation or something like that. And so that that is interesting because I think it's a push for regulation. The question is, and the you know, there's a lot of legal pundits that have you know opined on this on whether or not we're going to see an AI law before we see a privacy law. I think that that, however, they may be intertwined because a lot of people you know see regard the fact that you know the sort of you know EU AI Act conversation where people are like, well, did we really have to have data protection stuff in the AI Act? Does it need can't it just like refer to GDPR? Like what's going on? And do we need a standalone law for it, etc. So I think in the US, um, there first of all, there was a a letter from a lot of attorneys general talking about this and the and the attorneys general basically said that as with respect to data that to ai that touches private data um, personal data the applicable law needs to align with uh, or defer to the privacy legislation. And so if we want to have, you know, AI, obviously there are complex and uh, sensitive AI uses that do not touch personal data, but a lot of the complex uses of AI that are impactful in our lives and our day-to-day -day lives and that affect our rights, they do interact with personal data. And in that situation, the privacy laws will apply. And so maybe this AI push, given that, you know, X percent of the relevant AI applications is actually personal data, maybe that will be a push. And the other pushes are and uh, number one, the fact that we are, I think it's like 12, it depends how you count, like Oregon and you count, you know, the Washington might help my data. We're in the teens for a number of states that have a comprehensive privacy law. And so like that's a lot of states. Um, we also have a lot of pressure from um, the health information part of the discussion. And this is partly because of the Dobbs decision. So we have a lot of legislation that is protective of data, which is health related because it can reveal things that are related to abortion. And so we've seen FTC announce, there was a, a blog from a couple of weeks ago where the FTC said, we are really all over this health data situation. 
there was another joint um, joint letter from the FTC and the OCR, the Office of Civil Rights, that enforces HIPAA, the health law. And they both said, hey, we are coming after health pixels. And so I think that is another current that said, you know what, like we got to figure out this health data thing. And health data is pretty broad. It is much broader than HIPAA. So maybe we need to kind of get that going. So um, I think that there is a lot of um, a lot of push for like regulation on it. And so maybe it will happen. But in the meantime, we are we and the companies, right, are left to deal with this like giant soup of acronyms and obligations and um, federal as well as state as well as city based obligations that makes it you know, really complicated. And I hear, you know, my colleagues, especially before the U the EU adequacy decision for the US, right, the, the data protection framework before that, um, people were saying, oh, you know, the, the US, you know, we have GDPR, so, you know, we don't need to worry about the US, you know, uh, compliance. And it's, it's not true. I mean, you know, the NSA is watching and sometimes eating your cookies, but we have US regulation that requires compliance that you may not be doing, even if you're doing GDPR. Yeah. And I think uh, I'm also of the school of thought that probably in the US, the AI regulation will come before the privacy regulation. I'm talking of the federal one. But you're right when you say that it may be possible that the AI legislation would have elements of privacy legislation because end of the day, you're talking about data and you're talking about protecting data and using it more carefully and with responsibility. So that will be very interesting to see as it happens. But in the meantime, how are organizations uh, or dealing with challenges around AI, robotics, chat, GPT? Because things are progressing, make no mistake. People are going ahead, businesses going ahead, businesses doing stuff. They are not waiting for the regulation. They are not waiting for the law to come. They are innovating. They are running with the technology. So what's happening in terms of controlling or being responsible? Yeah, so the cool thing, not cool, but like on the flip side, right? So the businesses are not waiting for the regulation, but neither are the regulators, right? And so what's happening is that unlike in Europe, where, you know, people are sort of, you know, perfecting this masterpiece of the EU AI Act, right? It's like, you know, doing like iterating and iterating it, right? In the US, the approach is like, we have laws, we're just going to enforce them. We have existing laws. If the existing, if something is illegal, like doing the something is illegal manually, it is illegal with AI, and therefore we are already ready to enforce. And so wow. the key regulators in the U.S. Federal Trade Commission um, said in a number of places that the Article Five of the FTC Act, which it is using to prevent unfair or deceptive acts or practices will be used for things that use AI. If you are using AI in a way that's deceptive, like people don't know that it's AI or mm -hmm. the results are unreliable or you know things like that, that could be deceptive or unfair. And if it is you know um, harming privacy, we're gonna use it in the same way. Um, the CFPB, the, um, the, regu the, the regulator that handles you know, the financial um, industry, the non-banks, um, they also are enforcing against AI. The EEOC, the regulators for um, employment relations, has already said, you know what, if it is discriminating and you are using AI to cause the discrimination, then this is not legal. 
right? And so we have a lot of existing laws where the regulators are basically saying, you know what, we already have the tools. And so we're going to enforce and the FTC specifically, right, said, look, we have enforced before in the case of Corbo, which is formerly known as Weight Watchers, um, Ever Album, uh, Ring, right? We've we've had situations with data collected where the data was unlawfully collected. And we said, hey, guys, kill the data and you can't use it for training. So if we did it for them, we're going to do it for AI. They literally said that. And so I think basically the issue here is where and, and obviously, like, as you know, CPRA, Colorado, all of the state laws, they have profiling with legal or similarly significant effects. Wonder where we got that phrase. Right. We have automated decision making. Right. And we have the data protection impact assessment requirement with respect to those situations. And so for the privacy laws, the state privacy laws, we also have the tools there pretty much the same tools as GDPR to handle that. And so businesses are needing to like be mindful of that and abide by that. And that is part of the conversation where, okay, so we're going to use, okay, guys, like this is a determination that you are profiling using sensitive information and the impact of it could impact a person's whatever, fill in the blank, right? Employment, promotion, loan, et cetera. I'm like, guys, this is profiling with automated means that could have a legal or similarly significant effect. We've got some work to do. And those are conversations that companies are, you know, like, what, what do you mean? Like this, we could just do that before. But so those are more complicated, but the legislation is already here and companies need to comply. And I think that, you know, a lot of them are, one, coming to grips with it. Two, a lot of them are at the point where, oh, so our really big corporate client asked us for a DPIA. Mm, okay, so it's the same situation as the service provider. And I think we're going to see enforcement because the um, Colorado is already on its way. Um, the California Privacy Authority, the CPPA, already announced that it is working on regulations on automated decision-making and profiling. And so I think that enforcement is here and more enforcement is coming and uh, companies just need to start working on it. Well, that's a very good point you bring in. Rather than waiting for the new legislation, it's more important to look at the legislation that exists because in one way or the other way, barring the means of getting there, that's the AI now, there is a lot of prohibition and guidance on what you can do, what you cannot do and how you can do it. It's just the means is different. Now it's automated. Now it's a little bit more intelligent and things are getting done faster and quicker. But it's end of the day, even if you call it AI or non-AI, it's still profiling. It's still consent based or non-consent based. So the rules of the game are there. The question is, are you following those rules? Are you doing that or not? But right. regarding your field of work, what do you help people with and how can people get in touch with you? So what I do is I look at companies, what are they doing? What does their technology uh, involve? What are they looking to get out of it? What are they looking to do that involves data? 
figuring out which laws apply to them. So for example, which of the US laws apply? If GDPR applies, what have they already done? What do they have left to do uh, for the US? And basically in a very pragmatic way, breaking it down and telling them what, what can they and can't they do? What, how do they do it and how do they paper it and do they need like the clicks or the consents or the you know prominent placement or the drafting of the documents and i think the what i really try what i really like about this job is that it um is very you know kind of hands-on with the client and understanding the client's business I'm also very fast changing. So I'm very curious. And I have this hashtag privacy FOMO because that's what I always feel, right? Fear of missing out. And so I really like to keep on top of what's going on and use that to figure out what is coming down the pike and how to help clients comply. And also leverage the fact that I do, as you can probably tell, do a lot uh, in GDPR and can leverage that in the comparing and contrasting to kind of pragmatically figure out compliance. And so um, I do a lot of, so you can find me one, obviously Fox Rothschild, and I'm a partner at Fox Rothschild, and you can find my bio. Um, I do a lot of stuff on LinkedIn, so feel free to connect with me. And I do a lot of content posting both on LinkedIn and on X formerly known as Twitter. So happy to hear from you on both of those. Good. So you already start using X rather than Twitter. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm still like, oh, let's go to Twitter. Not there in the X part. But yeah, it'll take some time. It'll take some time like Facebook and Meta. It's, it's most people still call it Facebook. But what's in a name? They changed Google to Alphabet and everybody's calling it Google. Nobody's calling it Alphabet. But hopefully in 100 years or 50 years, it'll change. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, it was wonderful to have you. I would say thank you so much for your time. And let's keep connected. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com. If you have questions or suggestions, drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. Until next time, goodbye.